spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, March 3rd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show, everybody. Glad to be back here at Roller J Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. I've completed all of my medical appointments. Everything is clean as a whistle. At least that's what the doctor says. Everything's looking good. The colonoscopy is is all good. Uh, nothing turned out to be bad. Uh, no sorts of uh, cancers. Uh, one polyp. They're gonna they cut that one out. They're gonna take a look at it, but they don't think there's anything bad with that. So let me encourage you, men listening to me uh, right now. If you're in your 40s, approaching your 50s, get your colonoscopy done. Get it done. Dental work is is more troublesome than a colonoscopy. Literally, I went into this place. They had me take off the clothes, put on the gown lay sideways on the table. They had an IV hooked up to me. They were explaining to me what they were about to do. Next thing you know, I wake up in the, in the recovery room. I, I, I slept through the whole thing. Didn't feel a thing. Didn't know a thing. It was uh, it was painless. It was, it was easy. Uh, the hardest part was getting ready for it. You got to kind of fast before beforehand and take a lot of laxatives and that kind of stuff. But, uh, Nothing uh, worse for me than I've experienced with ghost pepper salsa. <laughs> so uh, I guess I was already prepared for such a thing. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Get it done. And uh, the life you save could be your own. All right. Uh, for today's show, all sorts of great stuff that we're going to cover on today's show. In our Behind the Headlines segment, we're going to go back to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, speak with Nisha Whiteley and Ian Ben Weiss. They are going to tell us all about MyChronicRelief.com and CannaProfessors.com. Some interesting stuff. Their, their story's quite uh, compelling. Also, we'll have a Ladies of Legalization segment. We sat down with Kate and Hannah from the Dallas Women's Grow chapter. And, of course, Women Grow having their event here in Portland tonight. They always do it on the first Thursdays here in Portland. I don't know where they do it in your area, but check out Women Grow on the net if you're interested in getting involved with one of the fastest-growing, most dynamic uh, activism groups out there, and industry networking groups, I should say. Then... At the end of the show, we are going to dedicate the entire last half hour of the show today to the radical rant because I don't know if you've been following me politically on Huffington Post. Uh, I write for Huffington Post blog and I uh, posted something uh, in the politics section on why I will not vote for Hillary Clinton. And it's one of my most read pieces ever. It's gotten over 50,000 shares last I looked. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And as members of the cannabis community, uh, should we withhold our votes if Hillary Clinton becomes the nominee, especially if she's the nominee against Donald Trump? That's not to say that Bernie Sanders is out of this thing. Uh, a lot of states that definitely favor Bernie Sanders are coming up on the primary calendar. So this thing ain't over yet. And remember, Hillary Clinton didn't concede to uh, Barack Obama until June of 2008. So there's still a long ways to go. We're still feeling the burn here at the Russ Belleville show. Also on the show, of course, we've got our 
Cannabis Radio News, and we've got headlines today coming to you from the international, national, and local scene. Maine looks like they may not vote on legalization this year. The Mexican drug cartels are taking a hit from legalization. There'll be a protest in Washington, D.C. to get Barack Obama on our side for legalization. Oregon's small growers have a bill that's just about to be signed that should help them out. Three different initiatives may be voted on in Montana in 2016. And a pop shop in Portland is feeling the burn. We'll tell you which one when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, March 3rd, 2016. Supporters of a voter initiative to legalize marijuana in Maine have failed to collect enough valid signatures to qualify for the state ballot. Petition gatherers for the marijuana initiative delivered 51,543 valid signatures, about 9,500 signatures below the threshold, to the Maine Secretary of State office, as reported Wednesday. The office found 47,686 invalid signatures. Wednesday was the deadline for the Secretary of State's office to validate signatures. 
The failure of the marijuana initiative was the biggest surprise of the day as a casino proposal was denied and a school funding measure was approved. The marijuana campaign on February 1st had delivered more than 99,000 signatures. David Boyer, manager of the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, said documents provided by the Secretary of State's office indicate that more than 17,000 signatures on file were invalidated because of a single notary's signature that did not match the signatures on file. Legal marijuana may be doing one thing that a decades-long war on drugs could not, taking a bite out of Mexican drug cartel's profits. The latest data from the U.S. Border Patrol shows that this year, marijuana seizures along the southwest border tumbled to their lowest level in at least a decade. Agents snagged roughly 1.5 million pounds of marijuana at the border, down from a peak of nearly 4 million pounds in 2009. Quote, Two or three years ago, a kilogram or 2.2 pounds of marijuana was worth 60 to $90, a Mexican marijuana grower told NPR News back in December of 2014. But now they are paying us 30 to $40 per kilogram. It's a big difference. If the U.S. continues to legalize pot, they'll run us into the ground, end quote. Inspired by a warning from comedian Bill Maher that progress on marijuana reform could be rolled back after President Obama leaves office, pot advocates in the nation's capital have announced a bold protest next month to press Obama to move on marijuana while he still can. Led by indomitable D.C. activist Adam Eidinger, the man behind the district's successful marijuana legalization initiative in 2014, the D.C. cannabis campaign is calling for supporters to gather in front of the White House to demand Obama reschedule marijuana through executive action as he has the power to do, and pardon people jailed for marijuana crimes. Attendees will be encouraged to fire up in acts of civil disobedience. The action is set for Saturday, April 2nd. A bill that would make it easier for some smaller medical marijuana growers to enter the regulated recreational market is headed to governor's desk after clearing the Oregon House Wednesday. Senate Bill 1598 passed in a 38-20 to 20 vote. The Oregon Senate approved the bill earlier this week. SB 1598 would allow certain growers to apply for a state recreational marijuana license without having to first obtain a land-use compatibility statement. The provision is intended to help bring smaller growers into the regulated recreational marijuana system through a so-called micro-canopy license, which would come with lower fees and fewer requirements. The Montana Cannabis Industry Association is sponsoring an initiative they hope to get on the ballot this fall to fix the major restriction passed on medical marijuana by the legislature in 2011. The medical marijuana initiative is awaiting approval from the Secretary of State, then on to the Attorney General. If approved, supporters will begin hitting the streets for the 25,000 signatures they'll need to get it on the ballot. If they get enough signatures, there could be three marijuana initiatives on the Montana November ballot. This one, addressing medical marijuana another one to make all marijuana legal, and a third one to make all marijuana illegal. A pot shop in Portland, Oregon, announced it plans to donate a portion of its sales to Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign, KGWTV reported Wednesday. As part of the Burn One for Bernie campaign, the owner of Foster Buds, which has two dispensaries, said the business will donate 10% of sales from every $10 Farmer 12 joint sold to Sanders' campaign. Sanders supports medical marijuana and the decriminalization of recreational marijuana, as well as the right of states to opt for full legalization. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, March 3rd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Christian convictions are under attack as never before. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. We all know that prohibition was a disaster. It forced alcohol into the underground market where it was controlled by criminals, and consumers did not know what they were getting. It made us a nation of hypocrites and lawbreakers. Marijuana prohibition has caused a lot of the same problems. That's why most Vermonters agree it's time for a more sensible approach. Tell your state senator it's time to end prohibition and start regulating marijuana in Vermont. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Everybody, Radical Russ here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo Day 1, and we've run into a couple of people with a lot to tell us. Introduce yourself to the audience. Hello, I'm Nisha Whiteley, the author of the book Chronic Relief, A Guide to Cannabis for the Terminally and Chronically Ill, and a canna professor. And you are? I'm Ian Benwees. I'm the High Council and uh, Nisha's partner in the Canna Professors, uh, educating uh, Texas and the rest of the world on the power of cannabis. Let's tell folks about your book. Well, thank you very much. My book was written because my mother died of lung cancer, and at the end of her life, she utilized cannabis to help her through that process. And we were so amazed at what it did for her. Really, we were hopeful that it would just provide some relief for nausea and vomiting, but we were stunned. It reduced her agitation. She felt so much more comfortable in her own skin, and what it did for her also was to reduce pain significantly that the opiates couldn't touch. And, you know, it gave us the gift of her being present through the dying process. Wow. I think there's a lot of people out there, even in Texas, that when they think of medical marijuana, they say, yeah, yeah, if you're about to die, we might as well let you get a little high and maybe ease the nausea. Was that your attitude? And then you found, oh, my God, it's doing more than just that. You know, our attitude was that she was suffering, and there's no need for anyone to suffer when cannabis can help. And so I wrote this book because I I needed that book at that time, and I didn't have it. I couldn't find it. You know, those books were available. I just didn't know where they were because everything was so underground. And I think it's time that we dissolve the cloud of shame, secrecy, and controversy around the use of this legitimate science-based medicine. Did you suffer any pushback or you know, friends or family that were kind of shocked that you'd written this book? That's a great question. People were um, supportive 
but shocked. But at the same time, they seem to be really ready for it. Um, you know, my mother was somebody that always made people feel comfortable doing something that they might not otherwise do, especially if it was something that was good for them. And when they found out that my mom used cannabis and it was such a gift to her and us, people started to open their mind. And when they realized that cannabis is so safe, safer than aspirin, and you help them understand that our, our national cannabis policy is based in fear, ignorance, greed, and racism instead of science, then they start to open up a little bit and be ready to listen to what you have to say. That's wonderful to hear. And here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, we've got this huge Fort Worth Convention Center that just yesterday housed Donald Trump and Chris Christie. Uh, yeah, I know. I think. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think? Do you think this is opening up Texas, that, that people are starting to get it? I think so, and that's why Ian and I have created the Canna Professors and the Cannabis Class. It's, it's really time that we elevate this conversation, and people are ready for the truth. And we have such an extraordinary body of science to begin with. And so, you know, in the last, I guess, two years, Texas has seen uh, quite a change. We've had several pieces of legislation that uh, had been presented at the legislature. One piece actually went into law. And although I don't think it's a very good law, it at least opens the door for us to start having a, a real conversation about the medical merits of cannabis. And Ian and I feel like um, everyone's ready and are starting to figure out that, that prohibition has nothing to do with the truth. And the truth is that cannabis is a safe and effective medicine. Absolutely. Ian, can you tell us a little bit about the Canna Professors? Sure. Um, I've known Nisha for coming up on a year now. We met freestyling in Washington, D.C. in Senator Cornyn's office at the Americans for Safe Access Unity Conference. And uh, from that friendship, like, like Nisha's been saying, we realized that there's this dearth of high-quality, complete, comprehensive information for the public around cannabis, the legality, the preparation, the medicine, the whole kind of story. And we wanted to be the people to deliver that because people, there's so much programming, there's so much misinformation and like you said here now, this is coming above board in places like this here, having this in Texas is, you know what we need to do, we need to bring the discussion out in the open and elevate it So let's give people some information if they want to go online and find out more about your book Thank you. They can go to mychronicrelief.com, and it will be ready for purchase in April 2016. Fantastic. And Canna Professors, any info for that? I think right now if you go to mychronicrelief in, in a couple of days, you'll, uh, you'll have a link to Canna Professors. We're going to be, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you're asking what, more about, like, what is it? URL. Yeah, sorry. So www.cannaprofessors.com. Well, see, that was too easy. Cannaprofessors.com. Well, uh, Ian and Nisha, thank you so much for coming to the conference and sharing uh, what you're doing with not only me but the rest of the world. Uh, Your voices, your book, and, and teaching people, I think that's of prime importance. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Russ. Have a great day, man. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back with more from the Southwest Cannabis Conference right after this. 
Beer, beer. All right, everybody. It's 20 after the hour. That means it's 420 in uh, Denver, Colorado. Time for us to take a brief safety meeting. It's required by our union local 420, you understand. Be back with more from Southwest Cannabis Conference, talking to two of the ladies of legalization from Dallas Women Grow, right after this. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Pauline Sabin began the women's movement to end alcohol prohibition. Four years later, the 21st Amendment was passed. Women are crucial to ending adult marijuana prohibition, and we celebrate women's marijuana activism in a segment we call Ladies of Legalization. We go back to the DFW area to meet two members of Dallas Women Grow. Radical Russ here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo at the very busy Women Grow booth, and there are women galore at the Women Grow booth. I'm going to see if I can talk to one. It's Hannah. Hello at the Women Grow booth. Hi. And? Uh, Kate Morgan with Women Grow Public Creations. All right. So is this the local Dallas chapter? Yes, this is. We actually have women here from Austin, Dallas, all over Texas. San Diego, Michigan. Everybody's come in for this. We're so incredibly happy and excited that people want to be with Women Grow Dallas and learn about cannabis and actually be in this industry. We are just so proud that Texas is actually welcoming us to Fort Worth. It's amazing. I do events all over the country in green states. This is my first one in a red state, and I'm amazed at the turnout. Does this surprise you that people are so interested in this here? 
No. Not a bit. We knew it was completely here. That's why we decided to do it in Fort Worth. Fort Worth is a very forward-thinking area where they believe in growth and trends, and they're seeing this, and they're understanding that there is something here. There is medical value here. There is businesses. There is hemp. There is fossil fuel. We are going to do something with this industry, and Texas needs to get on board. Women Grow is here to do that, to help them find those rules and regulations and bring them to fruition. That's what we're doing. I think one of the exciting things about the cannabis industry is it's a brand new industry. We're getting to build it from the ground up. With that in mind, do you find the cannabis industry to be more or less welcoming to women? Is there a grass ceiling, so to speak? Hmm. (laughs) I I think that women have a unique opportunity now in the universe, I'll say, to stand up for their rights. We've had a lot of women that have come before us that have made the way for women to be entrepreneurs, to stand up and say, I believe in something. And women can end prohibition. We can change the reputation of an entire industry to be positive, healthy, and forward thinking. And I think we're in a unique position to enter this market and really, I wouldn't say dominate because that's not what women do, but to to really make it enveloping and warm and show the world what cannabis is for. And it's a female plant and it's meant to be welcoming and it's meant to be healing and I think there's no better spokesperson than a bunch of amazing women. I I concur on that respect and one of the things I've always found interesting in the cannabis industry and just cannabis in general is it tends to be a male-dominated thing, Uh, not just in the business sense, but uh, when you look at the statistics, more men tend to use cannabis than women or at least admit to it. So what do you think we need to do as far as getting women on board with this? I mean, Women Grow is doing such a great job, but what are some of the stigma we need to overcome for women to, to embrace this more fully? I think it's women each standing up and saying, I believe that I am a powerful force in my community, in my school, in my church, in my, in my environment, and that I'm willing to take a step and say, for the health of this community, I will step up. For the health of my mother, my grandmother, my aunt, my child, I will stand up. And I think that's what it takes is each individual person, each individual woman to stand up in their community and be the representative. That you can't look at me and say, oh, she's a pothead. Well, definitely, uh, we're on radio, obviously, but looking at all of you here with the Women Grow, I mean, just professional looking and intelligent and strong. And uh, you're doing such a great job in in changing those perceptions of, of marijuana. Do you believe that's part of what makes is making women grow explode so quickly? I do. I believe the perception is changing drastically, and that's why we're bringing to the brand a very professional atmosphere. Like, look around us. Everybody is dressed to the nine. We look like we are here for business. And people are coming, and we are connecting. We are educating, and we are empowering each individual person that comes to us. And we're trying to do the face time to let them know they're not alone. You need to stand up, and you need to be talking to your representatives. You need to be a part of MPP. You need to be a part of uh, Texas Normal with Operation Trap. You need to be a part of these organizations. They are your local areas that need your support. Women Grow is here to connect you to those local areas. We are one unit. We are one fight. Sorry, the military is coming out of me right there. United States Navy veteran right here. So I'm going to make that what I've learned from the government. I'm going to use it. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be one of those leaders and let them know that you taught me an amazing thing, government. Now let me shine with the women of Women Grow. That's great to hear. and Thanks for your service. We appreciate that. So for people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that want to get involved with you, give them out the uh, contact info. Okay. 
we're at Women Grow Dallas. You can find us on Facebook, also on Instagram. We will be having on March 3rd at Roland Safe, our first signature event for the month. We're going to be talking about the importance of a marijuana safe versus a gun safe. And the Roland uh, is one of our sponsors, and we really, really want you to come out to this. It's going to be in Addison, Texas. We need you there. We want you there. We want to connect. We want to educate. We want to empower. If people want to come and they don't want to be photographed, we're going to give out wristbands so the photographer will know not to photograph you. But we want you to be a part of us. We understand that Texas is a conservative state. doesn't mean it's a closed-minded state. So we need to make sure that we talk to those conservatives, we reach out to them, and we say we're doing it the right way right of assembly, the right to lobby, the right to find out and ask questions and be able to have our choice. We need our choice back and only the people can do that. I'm glad you brought that up, brought out people's rights. I think a lot of Texans wouldn't know that if you are known to be a cannabis consumer, you don't have any Second Amendment rights anymore. You lose your right to purchase guns and ammo. So that's just one I think of that might come across to Texans and maybe the farming aspect with industrial hemp. Are are there other things you think Texans are getting wise to here. I know the, the story of Alexis is, has gotten a lot of people's attention. Alexis is true to our heart. That's one of the things when I first started watching Facebook and figuring out where did I want to align myself in this movement. This movement is coming with or without you. So you either get on this train or you're really you're really going to have a problem when this industry explodes. You need to do it now. Not in 2017 when this becomes legal. Now. You need to be being a part of us. And Team Alexis, they are doing one of the most fabulous things. They are making awareness to the biggest problem are children. When you feel so incredibly helpless, when you see your child seizing in front of you, that is the worst feeling in the world. And what their parents did was go and figure out a new option. My brother's a severe quadriplegic. My parents did every single charlatan, person said the magic pill, everything. If there had been this in, you know, 36 years ago for my brother, the pain that he's in today would be minute compared to the pharmaceutical medication that he has to take every day. So yes, I agree, Team Alexis is vital. MPP is vital. Women Grow is vital. Houston Normal, Texas Normal, the veterans, we need everybody. We're an inclusive organization. Everybody. Glad to hear it. Women Grow taking off here in Dallas. Check out Women Grow Dallas. And ladies, thanks for taking this time to talk to our audience. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity, and you are fabulous. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be back with more from Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo right after this. It was great talking to the women from Women Grow there, Dallas-Fort Worth chapter. You can find Women Grow online. Just search for it. You'll find it. And it's not limited to just women. Men are welcome as well. Great organization where you can meet a lot of great people, get some networking done, and get to work in the cannabis industry. Stay tuned, folks. We're going to have an extended Radical Rant coming up next. And we're going to go a little off the reservation, not just talking about pot, but uh, there's a tangential connection. The problem with Hillary is that I don't vote for Republicans. Extended rant coming up next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com. 
helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Normal. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. The problem with Hillary Clinton is I don't vote Republican. I get all sorts of comments about this since I have posted my piece at Huffington Post where I explained that people like me who will never vote for Hillary Clinton in the general election are being called the Bernie or bust crowd. And I just wanted to point out that is me. I'm a big supporter of Bernie Sanders. I think he's a once in a generation transformative candidate and I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. Now the mainstream media is pushing this, that uh, Hillary Clinton's got it all sewn up because she won super Tuesday and she's got all these super delegates And whatever we do, we just can't have a President Donald Trump. So, if you don't line up and vote for Hillary, that equals a President Trump, and letting that happen means you're a goddamn moron who deserves not one ounce of respect for throwing your pouty little tantrum like a petulant child. At least what some of the Hillary supporters have written. And, of course, calling me names is a great way to bring me across to your way of thinking. But a better way is to use reason. See, I've voted Democrat all my life because I hold progressive positions on civil rights, health care, foreign policy, criminal justice, and the environment. And that gives me plenty of reasons 
to not vote for Republicans. I don't vote for Republicans because I don't want to see more U.S. soldiers dying in the Middle East for some regime change. I don't vote for Republicans because they'll put the same mega banks in charge of the Treasury that destroyed our economy the last time they were in charge of the Treasury. I don't vote for for Republicans because I've always supported gay people's civil liberties and Republicans generally don't. And the few moderate ones that do only barely came around to supporting gay marriage because the polling now supports it. I don't vote Republican because they keep telling me they need more research to believe cannabis is medicine. I don't vote Republican because they institute terrible free trade deals that destroy jobs and wages. I don't vote Republican because they support the increase of fracking, that uh, that, uh, hydrofracking technology worldwide, which is environmentally disastrous. I don't vote Republican because they don't believe that America can be like every other modern democracy and provide universal health care coverage. I don't vote Republican because they enjoy and exploit the campaign finance shenanigans made legal by Citizens United. I don't vote Republican because they think a $15 minimum wage is too damn high. There ought to be no minimum wage, but if there is a minimum wage, some of the more moderate ones will say it should only be 12 bucks an hour. I don't vote Republican because they endorse and approve of the National Security Agency's warrantless spying on American citizens. I don't vote Republican because they created and supported the USA Patriot Act that, as you know, is used far more often against so-called drug crimes than it was ever used against terrorism. I don't vote Republican because they believe that the era of big government is over and they work to destroy welfare as we know it. I don't vote Republican because they believe in being tough on crime to the point of supporting the mass incarceration of mostly black and brown people. I don't vote Republican because they use racist dog whistles like calling black kids super predators that we have to bring to heel. I don't vote Republican because they oppose closing Guantanamo Bay. I don't vote Republican because they want to cut Social Security or at the very least the more moderate ones refuse to consider lifting the income cap on contributions to make rich people pay their fair share. I don't vote Republican because people with net worth that requires two or three commas to print don't understand what people like me go through living paycheck to paycheck. I don't vote Republican because I can't stand privatized prisons and they take a lot of campaign donations from them. I don't vote Republican because if we're not going to have socialism for the poor, why should I support those who voted to bail out the big banks with that socialism and then refuse to break them up and not even prosecute any of them that destroyed our economy through fraud and theft? I don't vote Republican because they supported the bankruptcy bill that made it harder for poor people like me to discharge debt while their hyper-rich friends make use of bankruptcy restructuring all the time. I don't vote Republican because they oppose reinstating the Glass-Steagall Act that would separate investment and commercial banking. I don't vote Republican because they support the death penalty. I don't vote Republican because they vote for stupid things like a border fence with Mexico. I don't vote Republican because they get most of their campaign donations from big banks instead of typical Democratic sources like unions. And I don't vote Republican 
because they would lock up Edward Snowden and throw away the key for exposing how our government has been violating our constitutional rights. So right there's 25 pretty good reasons why me, a Democrat, won't vote for a Republican, don't you think? So why would I vote for Hillary Clinton, the moderate Rockefeller Republican who exemplifies every one of those last 25 statements? I can see disagreeing with a candidate on three or four or six issues, but 25? If Donald Trump wins the presidency over Hillary Clinton, it's not the fault of people like me who won't vote for Republicans. It's the fault of the Democratic Party for nominating a Republican. For me, the horror of a four-year Trump term is less frightening than cementing in the far-right, center-right corporate duopoly in American politics that was created when Hillary's husband sold out the Democratic principles on welfare, crime, race, labor, trade, drugs, and the media. You remember the tale of the frogs in the pot of water? You know, you turn the heat up slowly and the frogs will boil to death, but if you put them in an already boiling pot, they'll hop out. Well, Donald Trump is the boiling pot and Hillary Clinton is the slow heat. A President Trump in 2016 equals a President Warren in 2020. A President Clinton in 2016 equals a re-elected Clinton in 2020 and then the next milquetoast Obama-like speechifier in 2024 who abandons all his talk the minute he's inaugurated. You remember Mr. Hope and Change's promise to be the most transparent government ever with live cameras covering the debates on public option health care? Remember his promise to be closing Guantanamo Bay or, quote, we're not going to be using Justice Department resources to go after medical marijuana, end quote. Remember all that? Look, I've made all the arguments that my opponents are throwing at me now. But after candidate Obama teased me with hope and change and then left me with drone bombing, torturers and banksters running free, Romney care, mass deportations, warrantless wiretapping, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and a neocon Secretary of State who now wants my vote, I've changed my mind. I used to be practical and pragmatic. Oh, it's a two-party system. It sucks, but that's the reality. You have to pick the lesser of two evils. And what about the Supreme Court? Yeah, I've made all those arguments. But then I saw what it got me. Picking the lesser of two evils allows the evil to become more evil and entices the good to become less good. I mean, Hillary Clinton is to the right of Dwight Eisenhower and Richard Nixon, for God's sake. And Ted Cruz or Donald Trump are so far to the right of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush, they can't even be seen. Isn't it strange how always picking evil has led to more evil? What I see now at four dozen years old is that any one presidential term isn't going to kill us. We survived eight years of George W. Bush, and though it did us a lot of harm and killed thousands of us, he didn't appoint himself dictator and abolish the Supreme Court or anything crazy that the left wing was predicting in the second term of, G of W's reign. Democracy still continued. In fact, W wrecked things so badly, white people could even consider voting for an unknown black Kenyan socialist Muslim named Hussein. So as I see it, 
Before my political lifetime, we had Democrats who stood for the poor and voiceless against the Republicans who stood for the rich and powerful. The Democrats I think of as embodying that spirit are Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson, and Jimmy Carter. It was the party of the people versus the party of business. Labor versus management. Proletariat versus bourgeois. It was a fine arrangement that provided the kind of balance necessary to create the great middle-class prosperity that existed in the mid-20th century. But since Bill Clinton came up with his third way, our politics have become the party of Wall Street and tech versus the party of Wall Street and oil. Bill Clinton's the end of big government as we know it and three strikes and you're out policies drove a stake through any semblance of the Democratic Party representing the needs of the poor and the voiceless. With age, I've developed perspective that this isn't about four-year presidential terms, but generational pendulum swings. Republicans and their Tea Party uprising have swung that pendulum as far right as they can because they demanded ideological purity from their candidates. Democrats have allowed that pendulum to swing by not offering solid democratic alternatives, but instead caving in to offer Republican light alternatives. Well, it's time for our Tea Party uprising, but we lefties aren't as hierarchical and authoritarian as the righties, so it's manifested in different ways. We do Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter, and the democratic establishment can't hear it. The Bernie Sanders phenomenon isn't about the man as much as it is about him as the focal point for a collective left-wing aching for somebody in power to hear our voices. You know, since we don't have six figures to hand out in speaking fees to make our voice heard. Using the specter of President Trump to extort us into supporting Hillary Clinton isn't going to work because we all understand it's the rigged system, stupid. Asking us to support the saner bribe taker doesn't mean much to us because we don't get to pay the bribes anyway. Now, as people who support Hillary have told me, Bernie will never get his agenda past the Congress. So I'm supposed to believe Hillary, who is hated in greater number and ferocity by the GOP, she'd get things accomplished? No, no, she'll take the same Obama tack of abandoning any real progressive position, instead starting her negotiation in the center, and then caving into most of the Republican polls to the right, just so she can point to an accomplishment. And... Don't even get me started on the trustworthiness of Hillary Clinton. Yeah, sure. Tell me it's all the fault of the right-wing smear machine, and I'll shoot it down like sniper fire over Bosnia. You really want to blame a possible Clinton election loss on us in the left when she'd be the least trusted, most hated candidate we've ever fielded and she's in the middle of a Democratic administration's FBI investigating her over the release of classified materials on an email server she kept at her house. Or her office, I should say. So you can call this a little pouty tantrum, but I call it finally taking a stand against the continued rightward slide of the Democratic Party. If we keep rewarding the Democratic Party for being less evil, they'll just continue to be less good. And so I've gotten a lot of response 
from this post about why I won't vote for Hillary Clinton. Here's here's my answer to some of the basic responses I get. One response is, well, you're insuring a President Trump. If you're not voting for Hillary, well, you might as well be voting for Trump. Nope. Nope. Sorry, that doesn't work. It's really quite simple math. If Hillary and Trump are the nominees, then on election day, Hillary will get plus zero votes from me and Trump will get plus zero votes for me. What will guarantee a President Trump is if he collects one more vote than Hillary in enough states to earn 270 electoral college votes. What this scare line really says to me is that Hillary sucks so badly, you're afraid she can't beat a racist, homophobic, misogynist, xenophobic, Islamophobic, real estate mogul slash TV reality star with zero political experience. If Hillary can't beat that without my vote, she's got bigger problems. Of course, the uh, if this were a real candidate, if she'd nominated an actual Democrat, if we put Bernie Sanders in... This would be a landslide victory, and all the polls so far show it, that Bernie Sanders does far better against the Republican candidates than Hillary Clinton. Oh, but what about the Supreme Court? Oh, the Supreme Court. We can't let the Supreme Court go. Well, what makes anybody think Hillary's going to nominate anybody less pro-corporate than John Roberts? Remember how terrible Bush's new chief justice was going to be? And yet... He upheld Obamacare. Anybody Hillary nominates is going to be pro-business and socially moderate in order for her to get that person through the Senate. If we do nothing about the business stranglehold on politics, we could have all the civil rights in the world, but we'll have no affordable education, health care, or decent job market to enjoy them in. And the scare that a Republican is going to give us the worst Supreme Court justices ever is really a 50-50 proposition. The last six Supreme Court justices nominated by Republicans are the odious three, Scalia, Thomas, and Alito. But you also got Kennedy, Roberts, and uh, uh, Souter, David Souter, who turned out to be somewhat moderate. So I'm not scared of this Supreme Court problem. And if the Democratic Party would finally grow some testicles and spine and start playing hardball like the Republicans do, they could gum up any of those far-right nominations like the Republicans gum up any of the far-left nominations. I love this next one. They they say, well, you know Bernie's going to support Hillary. If he doesn't get the nomination, he'll he'll support Hillary. Well, yeah, good for Bernie. But you can't criticize me for following my cult leader, Bernie, and then get mad when I don't follow my cult leader, Bernie. Bernie can vote however he wants to vote. Politicians often make these odious choices. I mean, Bernie supported that terrible crime bill in the 90s. He says he did it to keep the parts with the Violence Against Women Act. But still, he made a choice to support that terrible crime bill that ended up locking up black and brown people in mass incarceration. And besides, Bernie's 74 years old. He might not live to see the rebound from a President Trump. So on this issue, Bernie and I disagree. He believes preventing a President Trump is absolutely paramount. I believe that Trump isn't as harmful as the Clintonistas want us to believe. Look, folks, there is a reason that the GOP establishment hates Donald Trump's guts. 
And uh, there's a piece by George Lakoff. And George Lakoff is one of my ideological heroes. He's the father of uh, framing. He knows all about that neuro-linguistic programming and so forth. He's got an article up called Why Trump? And he points out that Trump likes Planned Parenthood, Social Security, and Medicare. He's been defending them on the stump. Republicans don't usually do that. Republicans hate eminent domain and love the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He's got the opposite view on that. He's not religious, not like a lot of those Republicans are. He thinks the health insurance and pharmaceutical companies and military contractors are making too much profit. Now, I'm not endorsing Trump by any means. He's, his views on Muslims and Mexicans and women and are just terrible. They're odious. They're awful. I would never vote for Donald Trump, but I'm not as scared of Donald Trump as the Clinton people want me to be because I think he would nominate fairly moderate judges. And I think on social issues, he'd have a fairly moderate position. Now, the thing is, if we got a Trump in office and if he made serious moves to restrict or rescind gay rights, women's rights, or even marijuana rights, all that's going to do is further inflame the younger voters who will increasingly decide future elections. They'll get pissed off and mad about it. By 2020, they'll be ready to vote for President Elizabeth Warren. Severe restrictions would do more to swing the pendulum toward progressivism than anything that Hillary's constant capitulation to the business right would do. See, I see this as bigger than Hillary versus Trump. I see this as oligarchy versus democracy. Whether it's the allegedly benevolent oligarchy of Hillary or the supposedly malevolent oligarchy of Trump, we're still going to have oligarchy. The benevolent oligarchy is that slowly warming pot. Sure, the Democrats will let us gay marry and abort pregnancies and smoke pot. Yay! So we give them a pass as they keep empowering Wall Street, big pharma, health insurance, and the military-industrial complex? The malevolent oligarchy is the boiling pot. Remember the last time they were in charge? They let terrorists hit us on 9-11. They let people drown in New Orleans, and they crashed the economy. It was bad enough that people actually voted for Obama, who was talking about public option health care, transparent government, and prosecuting the previous administration's torturers. The malevolent oligarchy messed up so bad that candidate Obama was drawing then-record crowds and securing then-record individual small donations. And remember, Trump is actually willing to call out George W. Bush for making the blockbuster mistake of invading Iraq. That's better than you're going to hear from any other Republican. Of course, some people can't uh, criticize my piece without playing the race card. That the terrible things that will happen because of Trump will be on my hands because I'm a privileged straight white man. My privilege is showing. Yeah, because, because I'm straight, white, and male, nothing bad Trump could do would ever affect me. Never mind that I'm homeless, I don't own a car, I work on spec with no health care. Because, sorry, Obamacare is too expensive, but I make too much for Medicaid. And no retirement plan, of course. And never mind that my father's on Social Security disability. Never mind I've got a childbearing aged niece. Never mind my lesbian friends and my black family. Look, I understand the arguments being made. And yes, they'd affect my friends, my family, and even me too. Especially on the marijuana front. 
Legalization's my job. Trump could appoint Attorney General Christie to send the DEA in to shut down legal marijuana commerce. But after Obama said he'd leave medical alone and then presided over the most medical marijuana raids in history, why should I trust Hillary on this issue? Hell, Hillary's husband's administration tried to take down medical marijuana by going after doctors' free speech rights and marijuana arrests more than doubled over his two terms. But nothing that affects me or my family and friends is going to change significantly under the rigged system we have now. Even Hillary admits her goal is to merely hold off the GOP from undoing any of the good things that have been accomplished under Obama because she knows the system's rigged. Besides, if I have to be responsible for the imagined carnage a President Trump might cause, Hillary's supporters need to wash the blood of hundreds of thousands of Iraqis off their hands first, then offer a few thousand apologies to soldiers' families for not finding any WMD. They can also apologize to my lesbian friends for having to delay their wedding when Hillary's husband passed the Defense of Marriage Act and Hillary gave cover to every homophobe who wanted to deny their rights. Then, some apologies for blacks over-incarcerated due to the crime bill she championed as a way to deal with super-predators. Then, some apologies to poor folks who lost their homes when the banks collapsed thanks to her husband's repeal of Glass-Steagall. Some apologies to the laborers who lost their jobs when NAFTA shipped them off to Mexico. And I could go on and on with some real, actual Clinton harms, if you want to name a few more imagined future Trump harms. Finally, they'll tell me that Hillary and Bernie agree on 90% of everything. Whoopee! Did you know we humans are 98% similar in DNA to chimpanzees? Amazing how that different 2% can make two wildly different species, huh? Yes, Hillary and Bernie both agree voting should be easier, gay people should get married. I mean, at least since 2013, Hillary believes that. Middle class wages should rise, minimum wage should be higher, Muslims aren't all terrorists, Mexicans aren't all rapists, and so forth. But telling me Hillary agrees with some of the most basic things a Democrat should espouse isn't the issue. It's ignoring the fact that she agrees with so much of the basic things a Republican would espouse that is the issue for me. The disagreements are the issue. Cozying up for six-figure speaking fees with the big banks that wreck the economy, even after telling them to cut it out, makes me believe Hillary would behave more as a Republican would toward those big banks. Her appetite for Middle East regime change tells me she'd act like a neocon in foreign policy. Voting for the bankruptcy bill and requiring debt-free tuition that requires college students work tells me she'd still treat poor people like her welfare-busting husband did in the 90s. Taking public option health care off the table and further integrating the health insurance industry into for-profit health care, backed by government fines and non-compliance, was Mitt Romney's idea. And ignoring the massive public opinion and growing scientific evidence on medical marijuana by offering a we-need-more-research-stalling tactic is something Republicans do. I will never vote for Hillary Clinton. That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you're 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 you're
you take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I inhale uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Freedom, freedom. Hey, this is great. Freedom, Yes, I can of it. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy, poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical, Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. Hour two of the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Our phone line is open at 971-533-7111. Got myself riled up over this Hillary Clinton stuff, let me tell you. I will never vote for Hillary Clinton because I will not reward the Democratic National Committee for just being less evil. I've had it. I'm done with it. And, and, and folks, I, I've been in this boat before, right? I, I, this is not my first election. I, I recall the 2000 election when it was Gore, Bush, and Nader. Now, I lived in Idaho, and I voted for Nader because living in Idaho, you can really vote for whoever you want. You're not a swing state. You're, the, the state's going to go Republican. It doesn't matter. The Republicans could run Cthulhu, and Idaho would vote for Cthulhu in a landslide. So I voted for Nader, and, and that whole argument was going, and Ralph Nader started raising this back in 2000 about the two sides of the corporate party, right? And while he was prescient, I don't think back in 2000, it was that accurate. I argued against that whole, you know, vote third party, vote for Nader. I argued against that back in 2000, even though, even though Bill Clinton had pulled the party to the right, had pulled the democratic party to the right, there was kind of a, a a um, press not a precedent but a, a context that made that necessary. Younger listeners won't know this, but living through the seventies, I was a kid in the seventies, and the nineteen seventies was kind of a 
a downtime to be an American. It was not, I, I was going to say shame, but that's not quite the right word, but it was just, it wasn't something you were awfully proud of internationally, right? We'd just gotten our butts kicked in Vietnam. And that was seen as the first time we'd ever gone to war, you know, military industrial complex style, proxy war style. I mean, yes, we went to war in Korea, but this was the first big proxy war, new kind of cold war, military industrial complex kind of war, right? The first kind of war where Americans could generally say, now, why are we there? What are we doing? Right? World War II is pretty easy. <laughs> pretty easy to understand why we're fighting World War II. There are some pretty heavy duty bad guys there. North Vietnam? Why are we fighting them? What, what did they do? They're, they're communists? Okay, so they want to be communists. So what? Right? It was, it was a tough time. And then you come back to America in the 70s. We had the gas lines, the embargoes, and with OPEC, and the inflation was out of control, and the interest rate was out of control. You get the Jimmy Carter administration, and, and we have the hostages taken in Iran. Like, the whole decade of the 70s was just a big downer for being an American. And then Ronald Reagan comes along. Well, it's going to be a new dawn in America. It's going to be a morning in America. Ronald Reagan sold this whole American spirit ideal getting over the malaise of Vietnam in the 70s. And it worked because Ronald Reagan was like a very, very gifted politician for one. But it worked. And, and God, just look at the movies and the, and the culture of the 80s. Look at fucking Rocky Four for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, Rocky Four right there will tell you everything you need to know about America in the 80s. <laughs> so when Bill Clinton comes along in 92, there was a general consensus amongst Democrats that they couldn't really be Democrats. That the Democrat brand, liberalism, progressivism, was a, was a nasty word. We'll talk more about how Bill Clinton sold the Democrats out and why I won't vote for Hillary when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. 
burning issues only on CannabisRadio.com. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, so I finally, checking up on my social media, I finally got the question I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for someone to put these two things together. Finally happened. Someone's thinking deeply now because this is a concern I've had myself. And it's this. On the one hand, here I am arguing that we shouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton because she doesn't represent our views, that I'm holding out for a much more liberal Bernie Sanders type view. And if I can't get my liberal Bernie Sanders type view, then I don't want the more moderate Hillary Clinton. That's the one point, right? If you've been reading my work on that side, you know, that's my angle, right? And then on the other side, in the marijuana angle, how I'm shooting down the more liberal proponents of marijuana legalization in California, saying their ideas are pie in the sky and can never pass, and demanding that they line up and support the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, the more moderate act that can actually pass. Good catch. I want to give that out at T Moreno 32 on Twitter. That's some heavy duty analytical synthetic type synthesis type of thinking very well done because it's concerned me too i've gone over it in my head i'm like when's someone going to call me out on that when's someone going to call me out on i support bernie the wild-eyed liberal and if i can't have the wild-eyed liberal i'll not vote for the moderate hillary but i'm for the moderate adult use of marijuana act and i'm calling out the people who are the ones who are all for the liberal act cchi and mclr who would vote against the adult use of marijuana act is that a contradiction that's a good question i don't think it is obviously i don't think it is or i wouldn't have those two opinions and i think the primary difference is this when we're talking about the marijuana legalization mclr and cchi are not bernie sanders (laughs) Bernie Sanders actually has money and campaign structure and the possibility of winning. Bernie Sanders is actually on ballots. Okay, so there's a slight difference there. Number two difference is when we're talking about marijuana legalization, we are talking about ameliorating one specific wrong that is currently in existence. The ticketing, the searching, the arresting, and the imprisonment of California marijuana consumers. To not, or or to vote against the Adult Use of Marijuana Act 
is to vote for the continuation of that policy. Because the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is one thing to vote on that is either voted yes or voted no. And if you're voting no, you're voting for the status quo to continue. My point in resisting Hillary Clinton and rejecting a vote for her is to end this status quo. I think it's a consistent position. My support of legalization is because I believe the status quo of prohibition is harmful. My opposition to Hillary Clinton is because my belief is the status quo of the corporate takeover of the Democratic Party is harmful. So no, I don't see any contradictions in that. But hey, phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. If you've got a contrary opinion, please call in. I love contrary opinions because that's how I learn. I might be wrong. There's another person on Twitter reacting to me, G. Duffett. We've gone back and forth on a couple of these things. Um, who's trying to scare me with that Supreme Court thing. Got to scare me with the Supreme Court thing. Let's see if his, uh, what was, what was one, a couple of his things here. He said, um, going too far back. Here we go. Your white privilege is showing Russ. Fuck the minorities. As long as you can smoke weed. <laughs> well, look, if, uh, if that's the way the argument's going to go. Wow, you should go to work for the Trump campaign. Oh, wait, you already are. And what's the other one? So you are a supporter of the KKK. Glad you cleared that up. Go smoke another joint. (laughs) And this is the kind of debate I I engage in with people sometimes on Twitter because it's short and they like to call names. But the thing I was pointing out to this guy is when you try to scare me with, oh, my God, Donald Trump – He's, he's gonna, if Trump's the president, the people who will appoint to the Supreme Court and the head of the EPA and the head of the equal rights offices and all the commissions and oh my God, it'll be disaster. It'll be the worst thing ever. And I don't think it will. In fact, of all the Republicans left, Trump scares me the least. I'm far more scared of Ted Cruz and what he would do Because Ted Cruz has an ideological center and believes it with all the core of his, of his being. Ted Cruz is a hardcore right-wing evangelical ideologue. Donald Trump is a reality show star. I believe half the shit Donald Trump is saying, even Donald Trump doesn't believe it. He just knows it's good for ratings. I really do. I think part of his bluster, if he was really called on it, push comes to shove, he's not going to try to deport all the Muslims or say none of the Muslims can come into the country. I don't think that's going to happen. I I, I think the, the, the blowback on that would be too much. I think he's saying shit that he knows will rile up the Republican base so that he can win the damn thing. He's a winner. It's huge. He just wants to win this thing. That's all. This is a reality show to him. If he were to really win, how would he actually govern? I don't think he's going to be super uber conservative. I don't think he's got those anti-gay, anti-black, anti, even anti-woman. You know, people point out the terrible things he said about Megyn Kelly and blah, blah, blah. But Trump's actually been out there on the Republican stump defending Planned Parenthood. Yeah, he says the, there shouldn't be that much with the abortion. He doesn't like the abortions they provide, but he goes farther than any Republican ever goes in saying, but Planned Parenthood does a lot of great medical stuff for women. 
I really don't think he would be the disaster that the Clinton people want us to think that he is. He hates the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He thinks health insurance, pharmaceutical companies, and the military contractors are making too much profit. He knows the system is rigged, talks all about how he bought and sold politicians on both sides of the aisle. I'm just not as terrified of Trump as Clinton's people want me to be. And it's funny, these you know, saying, he says, you just said you like Trump's policies. You're proving my point about Bernie bots. <laughs> Bernie bots. Um, no, I don't like Trump's policies. I don't like Hillary's policies. I don't like Bernie Sanders policies. I like or hate certain policies. And if a politician lines up with those policies, I like or dislike that politician. You've heard the saying, even a stop clock can be right twice a day. Well, even Donald Trump can be right sometimes. When Donald Trump blames 9-11 on George W. Bush and blames George W. Bush for the disastrous invasion of Iraq and calls out all the neocons on not finding any weapons of mass destruction? Is he wrong? No, he's absolutely right. Now, none of this, none of this should be taken as my endorsement of Donald Trump. No freaking way am I ever going to vote for Donald Trump. But I'm not going to vote for Hillary Clinton either. I can find more things I disagree with with Hillary Clinton than I disagree with, with Donald Trump, partly because Donald Trump's flip-flop back and forth two or three times in his life on different things, which again, to me is more evidence that he's, he's got no particular ideological focus. He just wants to be a winner. He just wants to win. If the American people started demanding something of him, that's the, that's the direction he'd go. I'm not as afraid of Donald Trump as I am cementing in Bill Clinton's corporate takeover of the Democratic Party. I want there to be an opposition party to big business, not two parties for big business. And what has allowed the Democratic Party to keep sliding to the right like this? Number one, they mistakenly believe that's where the votes are. But number two, it's because they don't stand up for their principles. They're just chasing votes. They're chasing polls. Aside from pro-choice, what else is a Democrat? Pro-labor? Eh, not really. Not with NAFTA and Trans-Pacific Partnership and all that. Pro-immigrant? Eh, we've seen some Democrats that have had some pretty bad immigration policies. Pro-healthcare? Eh, they like to, you know, Obama and Hillary were all about, you know, let's, Let's fix healthcare and, and let's, let's give credit where credit's due. Healthcare is better now in America under the Affordable Care Act. More people got insured. Fewer people could be kept off of coverage. But really, to me, the Obamacare thing was capitulation to the healthcare, to the medical device manufacturers, to the pharmaceutical industry, to the insurance industry to guarantee that they would continue to be able to work that industry for profit. It's a fundamental difference of understanding what the industry should be. There should not be a profit motive in healthcare, in prisons, in education. 
There should not be profit there. That's where capitalism should not be. That's where government should be. Taking care of the general welfare. Remember that part? Hillary believes the healthcare industry should still be involved in healthcare making profit. All right, folks, it's 420. By the way, I always love it when someone on the left insults me by saying, well, go smoke another joint, you know, dismissing me because I'm a pothead. See, that's what Republicans do. That's the kind of prejudice Republicans exhibit. Thanks for proving my point. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. (gasps) Did I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootcamp.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour here on Toker Talk Radio. Talking politics here. Hillary, Bernie, Trump. I'll only vote for one of those three people. But uh, I want to take a break and get back into some marijuana. It is a marijuana show, right? 
The Marijuana Policy Project has submitted their initiative for medical marijuana legalization in the state of Ohio. As you recall, Ohio had the chance to pass both recreational and medical marijuana in one fell swoop and to create the most liberal marijuana law east of the Mississippi. But it was rejected because the wrong people would get rich. So they're still ticketing and arresting and imprisoning people in Ohio now because, you know, we wouldn't want Nick Lachey to make a buck. So anyway, MPP has stepped in and from that campaign, they learned there's tons of support for medical marijuana in Ohio. So they've got this medical marijuana initiative for the state of Ohio. You can find it at Ohioans for MMJ.org. And the initiative text is out. And I just wanted to point out some of the highlights of the initiative. First of all, you'd be able to have two and a half ounces of usable marijuana, an amount of marijuana products established by rule, uh, you know, edibles and tinctures and stuff, six marijuana plants or greater if a higher limit is established, and the marijuana produced from the cardholders' allowable plants. That's interesting because Ohio's got got 100 gram decrim, which is three and a half ounces. And this would legalize two and a half ounces for medical possession. So I guess you could still get a ticket if you're over your two and a half ounces. Six plants is pretty standard. All of the marijuana you can harvest from those plants is pretty generous. This would be the first home grow medical marijuana passed in the eastern United States since Michigan. And again, Florida's on the ballot too. And I don't think Florida will allow home grow. So it still could be the only one. Uh, Missouri might make the ballot with home grow. But still, Ohio's MPP initiative, which is going to have plenty of funding, probably make the ballot, two and a half ounces, six plants, all the harvest. The conditions would include all the big eight, cancer, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, hep C, ALS, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, Alzheimer's agitation, PTSD, uh, any medical condition that produces cachexia, wasting, severe debilitating pain, severe nausea, seizures, epilepsy, muscle spasms. Uh, multiple sclerosis, etc. So as medical marijuana goes, this is pretty much what you'd find in, in some of the, the good medical marijuana states. Two and a half ounces, maybe a little low as far as the, uh, as far as the possession goes. But the other thing about this that is so wonderful about this initiative is that it would allow patients with their cards to use medical marijuana and be protected from discrimination with respect to housing, healthcare, and child custody. That's right. You couldn't deny an organ transplant to a medical marijuana patient. Couldn't take a medical marijuana patient's kids away just because they're using medical marijuana. You can't kick them out of housing or refuse to rent to them. That's better protection than you get in most of the Western medical states. Again, you'd be able to grow your own marijuana or have a caregiver grow it for them. There would be licensed and well-regulated dispensaries. And there'd be a brand new medical marijuana control division to take care of all of it. So with six plants and all the weed you can possess with a liberal set of qualifying conditions and with protections for employment, childcare, and uh, housing, I fully expect the stoners against legalization to be against it. Mark my words, they're going to be against it. In fact, I think somebody just dropped, and I have to find this uh, maybe on break, but someone else in Ohio has dropped a true legalization amendment for 2016 
to compete against this uh, marijuana policy project one. Anyway, that's the latest news in marijuana on the Ohio front. They need to collect a thousand signatures right now uh, to be able to submit it to the attorney general. So it's in front of the attorney general's ballot board. They're going to review it to see, see if it complies with the you know, Ohio initiative laws. And then they have to collect an additional 305,591 signatures in, by early July to qualify for the ballot. So by July, they're going to need about a half million signatures, if you want to be honest about it. And the other thing that's going to be interesting about this is qualifying conditions or, or, or being able to qualify for the ballot now faces an additional hurdle. Because everybody was so afraid about Nick Lachey making a buck on marijuana in Ohio, not only did they vote against the Ohio initiative, they voted for an anti-monopoly initiative. This anti-monopoly initiative states that if anybody tries to pass anything that creates a special market or a monopoly or a special pricing for any one class of people or one group of investors, that it then has to be subject to two votes. It has to be voted on as to whether or not it can be voted on, and then it has to be voted on. So MPP might be facing two majority votes that it would have to get in order to pass this medical marijuana initiative. Now, I haven't looked into the text of the initiative to see where they might try to come up with the whole monopoly part of it, but you can bet the Attorney General's office and the Secretary of State's office in Ohio is doing that right now. You know they are combing through that, trying to find out where can we kick in that initiative to? Where can we say, oh, see, it's a special benefit. Now, I think it just being medical marijuana might trip that as is. Because medical marijuana creates a special market, a special benefit just for sick people. Isn't that monopolistic in some sort of way? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But I'll bet if they can twist it that way, they will twist it that way. Back to the, uh, back to the Hillary Clinton issue. I got another re- reply on Twitter. And again, T. Moreno asking great questions like, aren't I supportive of incrementalism when it comes to the Adult Use of Marijuana Act? Supporting it rather than supporting MCLR or CCHI that would go for radical change. So wouldn't that be the same with Hillary Clinton that I'd rather have Hillary Clinton with incremental change than to have Donald Trump and go backwards or not have Bernie and have radical change? But it's still, it doesn't correlate. It doesn't, it's not analogous. See, first of all, the incrementalism that I refer to with, that you refer to with Adult Use of Marijuana Act is radical change. Going from prohibition to legality is radical change. Now, MCLR or CCHR would be even more radical change, but there's nothing not radical about Adult Use of Marijuana Act. It's going to legalize a lot of things that are felonies. That's pretty radical. Whereas Hillary Clinton is incrementalism, but not in the directions I want incrementalism to go. 
I believe Hillary Clinton will incrementally move the Democratic Party even more into the arms of big business and Wall Street. And as I was saying earlier, you know, there was a court, you know, people bring up Al Gore in 2000. We've been through this before with Al Gore in 2000. Look, Al Gore couldn't win his own home state. Part of why he couldn't win his own home state is because the Democrat before him left a big scandalous mess all over address. And Gore ran away from all the positive accomplishments that he could have touted as the incumbent vice president, like, you know, low unemployment, high wages, more jobs, a surplus, all these things he could have, you know, been the guy to carry on the Clinton legacy. But because he was so worried, so worried about the evangelical vote and the moral vote, he had to run out on the stage and plant a big old French kiss on his wife to prove what a husbandly, manly man he was, and ran away from Clinton. And had Gore's team had the sense to call for a complete recount of Florida instead of just the counties they wanted, we'd have probably gotten a President Gore too. So that's not analogous. And, And the other reason it's not analogous is because when Nader was saying that Bush and Gore are two sides of the same corporate coin. He had no idea how much more true that would become after Citizens United. Pre-Citizens United, it's not as distinguishable. There's still a lot of daylight between Democrats and Republicans. Post-Citizens United, who's who's the party that, that goes to super PACs to be funded? Both of them. Who's the party that's beholden to billionaires? Both of them. Who's the party that's getting six-figure speaking fees uh, for talking to their corporate benefactors? Both of them. That's what those of us in this Bernie or Bust movement are pointing out. Is that we've been sold this idea of lesser of two evils and incremental change. We've We've been sold that. What did we get? for that lesser of two evils and incremental change in the 90s. Well, we got more marijuana arrests than any president ever. We got the creation of the mass incarceration system. We got warrantless wiretapping. We got the refusal to prosecute torturers. We, we've not gotten the incremental changes that we want. We've seen a few. We've seen the change in the legalization of marijuana. We've seen the change in the legalization of gay marriage. Which one of those were championed by Democrats? Remember a bunch of Democrats getting up on stage and talking about how all gay people have the same rights as everyone else and they ought to be treated equally? No. What I remember was Hillary Clinton as a senator standing up in our halls of government saying, I believe marriage is a sacred bond between one man and one woman. That's what I remember. Do you remember the Democrats that were standing up talking about how we need to support California and its medical marijuana? Remember in 96 when California passed medical marijuana? Remember the Democratic administration that was quick to defend California's medical marijuana? No. What I remember is the Clinton administration, under the directions of Rahm Emanuel, trying to silence doctors from recommending medical marijuana by threatening their prescription licenses for using their right of free speech. 
We had to take that all the way to the Supreme Court to stop Democrats from silencing doctors because of marijuana. So, sorry, the incremental progress that's been made on gay marriage and marijuana legalization, Democrats don't get to don't get to uh, claim credit for that. Those are two examples where it was the people, despite the Democrats, who managed to get that accomplished. And the Democrats who came around to supporting it, a lot of them only reluctantly have come around since the polls have shown it's okay for them to do so. All we're asking for is leadership. That's what Occupy was wanting. That's what Black Lives Matter is wanting. That's what so many people on the left, so many working, struggling people are demanding is someone that listens to us and leads for us rather than the 1%. That's all. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 39 after the hour. And in the last segment, I brought up how MPP has this medical marijuana initiative, how it uh, legalizes six plants and two and a half ounces and all the weed that you could possibly grow. It's going to create dispensaries and licensed growers and caregivers, and it's going to protect employment and medical rights and housing be a really stellar medical marijuana bill. And I said in the last segment, well, you know, the stoners against legalization aren't going to like it. You know, they're not going to like it. Well, folks, 
<laughs> I hate being right sometimes, but I just found this uh, piece on Cleveland.com. Ohioans could vote on dueling medical marijuana measures this fall. A group calling itself Grassroots Ohio is pushing a constitutional amendment that would legalize marijuana use for medicinal purposes. However, their amendment does not establish a regulatory structure and it allows farmers to grow industrial hemp. Spokeswoman Cassie Young says it's intentionally brief and plans to propose a regulatory structure in the form of a citizen-initiated statute. We shouldn't be putting regulations in our Constitution, Young said. The amendment is about protecting inherent rights of Ohioans, not enshrining business interests. So, want to take a guess as to who wrote the Grassroots Ohio Constitutional Amendment? The amendment was drafted by Athens area lawyer Don Wertshafter. The longtime Ohio Marijuana Activist previously worked with the Ohio Rights Group, which put its medical marijuana amendment on hold while lobbying for the legislature to act on the issue. You'll remember Donnie Wertshafter as the founder of GW Pharmaceuticals. Or at least he says he's the founder of GW Pharmaceuticals. There's no evidence of him on GW's website whatsoever, and GW's public spokesperson says that... Uh, Wertshafter had nothing to do with the company other than advising an initial investor. But according to Don at canaseminar.com, where he appeared twice, once in Columbus, once in New York, at events that cost $200 to attend, Don billed himself as the founder of GW Pharmaceuticals. You'll also remember Don as the reason I'm so pissed at him for naming himself the founder of GW Pharmaceuticals is because he got on my radar by threatening to sue me for libel when I was writing about him and the other stoners against legalization opposing issue three in Ohio. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Wertshafter, the stoner against legalization, who is spreading unsubstantiated rumors and lies about issue three in 2015 to ensure that marijuana would remain illegal, is now leading the charge to have a medical marijuana initiative to compete with MPPs. And you can bet that their initiative will have no funding and have trouble getting signatures and so on, but I'm sure they'll make a lot of noise about how terrible and odious MPP's initiative is because it's too darn long. That's got to be one of my favorite criticisms from the Stoners Against Legalization. They say the same damn thing in California. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act, why, it's 62 pages. Who could possibly read through 62 pages? Oh, it's so long, it must be terrible. Yeah, because legislation that's long, by definition, must be terrible. And the corollary, legislation that's short, by definition, must be good, right? You know, like Prop 215 in California, why, it was only 11 lines long. And it's the model of perfect legislation. Yeah, after Prop 215 passed, it was perfect and whole and never caused any problems or confusion or contradictory court rulings or anything bad for patients. Prop 215, being as short as it was, is absolutely perfect. If you believe that, I've got some stock in GW Pharmaceuticals that uh, the founder gave to me that I'd like to sell to you. So yeah, we'll do some more digging on that, but it looks like, and I, folks, just get ready for this as the standard from now until all 50 states are legal. 
If there is a professional, well-run, well-funded, likely to pass initiative on the ballot, somebody else will propose a wild, pie-in-the-sky, unfunded, grassroots, all-volunteer, treat-it-like-tomatoes initiative to compete with it. It's just the way it's going to be, I suppose. And the only time I've seen it not be that way this year was Maine. There were two groups in Maine, Legalized Maine and MPP, and then they got together, and now it appears they're not going to be on the ballot unless they can win some sort of an appeal. Now, I think the uh, Secretary of State's office in Maine is playing some shenanigans here. And this is something that just bothers me in general, and it kind of takes us back to Hillary and Donald and, and the election and all that kind of stuff, and that is, why do we make it so hard to express ourselves in a democracy? Shouldn't the default be that we do everything we can to accept votes and signatures? The heart of the controversy right now is that they've got 17,000 signatures in Maine that were disqualified because the signature of the notary did not match the signature on file. Okay. So to explain, you go out and get petitions, right? You got a petition and you get 10 people to sign that petition paper. You, as the signature gatherer, have to sign the bottom of it. You have to you have to notarize that you were the person who honestly and faithfully obeyed the law and got those 10 signatures, right? And, and I don't know for sure if Maine is 10 signatures per sheet or how many, but that's the way it was in Oregon, right? So you got to sign off on your 10, signature, 10 signatures. So 17,000 signatures sounds to me like 1,700 pieces of paper that this person signed as the notary. And now the Secretary of State is saying the signature on those 1,700 pages doesn't match the signature that guy or gal put on file with the state. Do you know how much people's signatures change after they sign their name 1,700 times? See, disqualifying those signatures is basically making the assumption that somebody was trying to play some shenanigans here. Somebody was faking, and they're not saying the signatures gathered are fake. They're saying the person who gathered the signatures is a fake. That, first of all, what difference would that make? If I'm a person who wants marijuana legalized and I signed a petition to get it legalized, whether or not the guy taking the signatures is really named Barney Fife or not, why should I be disqualified for that? Why should my voice in the democracy be erased for the wrongdoing or the failure to follow some technical rule of the petition gatherer? Now, if you can show, there should be a a need for the government to have to show fraud. Like this signature was faked. Not that it doesn't look like the guy's signature, you know, or, that someone else was signing that, you know, it has to be, show me that it was faked. And what you could do in a situation like this, it's one guy and 17,000 signatures depend on this one guy. Call this one guy in to the secretary of state's office, make him swear an affidavit or whatever you do, make him swear that yes, those 17,000 signatures on those pages are from me. 
The default should be to try to include signatures, not to try to exclude signatures. Now, I understand when they exclude the signature where the person who signed the petition, their name doesn't match a voter registration form. Yes, because we do want to make sure people signing petitions are actually registered voters. But disqualifying 10 of those registered voters because the guy collecting the signatures might not be the right guy? Unless you can show me someone faked that guy's signature, I think the default should be to believe that that those signatures are valid. And I sure hope David Boyer and the people uh, with Kremla up there in Maine can make this point. Because it just seems fundamentally wrong that what we do in our democracy is try to find ways to keep people from voting. Texas, they just had their their Super Tuesday uh, uh, primaries, right? And the Texans who were going to vote had to comply with a new voter ID law that requires them to show photo ID to be able to vote. And some people will say, well, why not? Why not have to show photo ID? We want people to prove who they are when they vote. Why? If they're here in America and they're a citizen, they should be able to vote. This requirement to have photo IDs is an underhanded, sneaky way to make sure minorities, poor people, and the undereducated don't get to vote. And the underinformed don't get to vote. That's what it's all about. There are thousands of people who don't have photo IDs and can't get them. And, and people say, well, it's no big deal. You know, go down to the DMV, get yourself an ID card. Well, first of all, go down to the DMV. Some people have disabilities. Some people have no public transit in the middle of godforsaken Texas. Some places, their uh, DMV or whatever office it is, you get your ID because of budget cuts and because of cutbacks. Some of these places are only open one or two days a week, sometimes only two to four hours a day. We do all these things to try to stop people from voting. I say someone shows up to vote and they don't have photo ID, take a goddamn thumbprint <laughs> and figure out later if that person was a valid citizen. Except we should be trying to get more and more people to vote. That should be the default position. And as I've been going off on this Hillary Bernie thing, People have kind of been criticizing me of, well, if you don't vote, you know, uh, you're part of the problem. I didn't say I wasn't voting. I'm voting. I'm just not voting for Hillary Clinton and I'm not voting for Donald Trump. But I'm voting. I'll write in Bernie Sanders if he's not the nominee. And I still think he can be the nominee. I still think the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's uh, classified information could blow the lid off this whole thing. But I'll vote, and I'll vote in all the down-ticket races, too, and I'll probably pick Democrats in almost all of those races as well. Yes, I agree. It's important to vote. And my vote this year is going to be a vote to tell the Democratic National Committee that Democrats at the top of the ticket don't get my vote unless they're Democrats, unless they support Democratic principles. On the things I care about most, Hillary is opposed to me. I care about legalization. She barely accepts medical marijuana, thinks it needs more research. I'm against private prisons. She took money from private prisons. I'm against Middle East regime change. She never met 
a regime she couldn't want to overthrow. I'm against the big banks. She's paid for by the big banks. I support public option health care. She doesn't think it's possible. I support a $15 minimum wage. She thinks 12 is enough. Give me someone I can vote for, Democrats, and I'll vote for them. Until then, I'm voting for Bernie. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're closing things up here at the Rush Belleville Show, but reminding you that the Tommy Chong Podcast is now on CannabisRadio.com every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific. Tune in for a new episode of Tommy and his son, Paris Chong. He had a great uh, discussion of his battle with cancer on the premiere episode last night. That's the Tommy Chong Podcast every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time here on CanvasRadio.com. So, uh, closing things up here, uh, I got one more comment from, uh, from Twitter that highlights another thing I find hilarious. And that is, what if you have to promise free stuff to get a vote? Yeah, that's that uh, knock on Bernie that he's promising free stuff. 
right? Free education and free healthcare. Like, like we don't deserve this stuff. Like we haven't paid for this stuff by paying taxes. What you thought the Iraq war and the F-35 fighter plane aren't free stuff. Why is it that we can come up with a couple trillion dollars to blow up schools in other countries, but we can't come up with that money to pay for schools for our own citizens. Cause that would be free stuff. No, it's not free stuff. It's proper allocation of tax revenue in a way that benefits the citizens. That's what it is. Free stuff as if we're getting a gift of education or a gift of healthcare just re-emphasizes what the problem is in the thinking of people like Hillary Clinton and the Republicans, that these things aren't rights in a civilized society. Every other civilized society sees healthcare and education as rights. It's part of the social contract. We have this social contract that allows us to have money and to have rich and poor and to have an economy that puts us to work and creates great things for the benefit of the people. And part of that social contract is okay. We'll allow some people to have more of their fair, more than their fair share. We'll allow some people to excel to great levels of wealth. There's no problem with that, but in exchange, the society is going to be educated and healthy. And, and not only that, this free stuff is in the best interest of the business owners in the first place. They need educated, healthy workers. And aren't you tired of paying for Medicare and food stamps for the workers of Walmart and McDonald's? While Walmart and McDonald's continue to make billions in profits year after year, why do we subsidize the health care and education of the employees of the richest family in America? Why do they get that free stuff? That's all the time we got for today, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're giant, you roll it, you're small. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you're giant, you roll it, you're small. You take a seed, you plant it.